So, man, uh, what's the greatest news that you could receive today? Think about it. The greatest news right now in your mind, what's the greatest news you could receive? I've got a 50% raise. Oh, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? You'd say, Merry Christmas. I mean, 50% raise. What if someone told you, man, your mortgage is paid and your debt is canceled? All your mortgages, you no, no longer have a mortgage. <clears throat> All your debt's gone. Merry Christmas. I mean, man, that would be life-changing. What if somebody said the CDC has announced no more COVID? I mean, January 1, go back to ball games, full bore at church, no mask. I mean, would that not be revolutionary right now? I mean, man, this would radically change your life. Think about how that would radically change your life, that news. That's exactly what happened. 2,000 years ago in a town called Nazareth when an angel named Gabriel showed up to a virgin named Mary and gave her the greatest news that the world has ever heard. Now, we see this in Luke chapter 1. We're going to read it together. And as I said, it's in our, it's in our Bible reading for June the 2nd. So I just want to give a plug there to read. But let's dive in and let's see this greatest news that Gabriel gave Mary that the world has ever heard. Okay, so it says in the sixth month. Now, the sixth month here is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth was pregnant. Elizabeth was a relative of Mary. She was pregnant, and her baby in her womb was John the Baptist, all right? Now, what's miraculous about that is Elizabeth was 70-some years old, all right? So, uh, I mean, if you're in your 70s, you'd like, yeah, that's a miracle. Well, it's in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin a virgin. Now, this is very important. This is essential to the Christmas story. You can't, without the virgin birth, and we're going to talk about why in a moment, but the virgin, she was a virgin. That's what that word means. It means she's never been with a man, all right? Just like it does today. She was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Very important that he's from the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, Oh, favored one. Now, that word favored one right here, or, or this, this phrase, uh, hang on to that. We're going to come back. What does it mean? Very important to the story because it's created some confusion among some groups, mainly our Catholic friends. We'll talk about that. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled, I bet, uh, at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There's that word favor again. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to, to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Great question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Tells you what the sixth month at the beginning. For, get this passage. This is great memory verse, right? Uh, Luke one thirty seven. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, man, this here is the most important, most amazing news the world has ever heard. An angel comes to Mary. I mean, the world, I, here, here's what we need to understand about that world. The world that they lived in was very much like the world today. It's very desperate, to be honest. They were hopeless, to be honest. 
I mean, man, they, they struggled every day trying to figure out the world. The world was spinning out of control in sin. It was very much like the world we live in today. And in that world, God appeared in the backwoods middle of nowhere to a, a virgin named Mary and said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And you're going to conceive and have a, have a baby. And he's going to be the real king. And his kingdom is going to be forever. And what's amazing is, is this passage tells us, and I think we can infer from this passage some things uh, about what kind of king Jesus is. And so today, that's what I want to do. We're going to look, we're going to look at three different characteristics uh, of Jesus as the king, because we're talking about Jesus being the real king. And I think this passage gives us a glimpse into three different characteristics of what kind of king Jesus really is. First off, I think that this passage screams that Jesus is the gracious king. He's the gracious king. Okay, now in verse 28, Gabriel said to Mary, Gabriel said, greetings, O favored one. Now that word favored in the Greek, it's a word that means grace. It means grace. And in the Latin Vulgate, it translates the, the, the phrase, uh, uh, greetings, one full of grace. And that is a very good translation uh, because Gabriel come to Mary and said, Mary, you're full of grace. It's a very good translation, but not like our Catholic friends believe. You see, Pope Pius X uh, said that Mary was so full of grace that she had grace left over for all the rest of us. So he elevated Mary uh, from... <coughs> excuse me, from, from, from one who receives grace, like you and, and me, right? I, I received grace. He elevated Mary from one who receives grace to one who dispenses grace. And I'm, I want you to know, folks, that's an error. That's erroneous. It's wrong, all right? I mean, you can say, Hail Mary, full of grace, holding your rosary all you want, all day long, every day, and Mary's not listening to you, all right? I mean, Mary is not listening. She's not going to give you grace. Now, Mary and Joseph are major players in the Christmas story. We talk about them every December as well we should because they're major players in this story. But here's the deal when it comes to Mary. Protestants probably have too low of a view of Mary because Mary was obviously a very godly, pure uh, uh, girl who loved the Lord. Uh, but Catholics have way too high of an estimation of Mary. And what happens is the world sort of buys into to, to this version of Mary, and the Mary that we talk about at Christmas most of the time doesn't even resemble the, the Mary of the real story, the mother of our Lord. I mean, if, matter of fact, if you look at a picture of Mary, and when you see, this is a typical picture of Mary. This is called the Immaculate Mary, right? Immaculate. Th think about that, right? This is called the Immaculate Mary, and this is the way she looks uh, uh, in many pictures. She's maybe mid-20s, early 30s. Uh, she's got a halo around her head, immaculate. She is perfect. Uh, in some pictures, she's sitting on a throne. I mean, she is just this elevated Mary that, that you can, uh, you know, say your Hail Mary to, that you can receive grace, that you can pray to, and all these things because, uh, you know, she was immaculate, right? No, she wasn't. That's wrong. Let me give you a better uh, perspective of what Mary would have looked like. This, Okay. This is my daughter, Allie Kate. Now, Allie Kate is 13 years old. This is my other daughter, Jaden. Jaden is 14 years old, okay? They're just regular 13 and 14-year-old girls. They don't have halos around their head. Uh, believe me, they don't have halos around their head. They, they, don't have, they don't have halos around their head. They don't have, you know, they're not sitting on thrones. They're not immaculate. Far from it. They're just two 13 and 14-year-old girls. Well, that's exactly 
roughly where Mary was. Did you know that? God didn't choose Mary because Mary was, had a lot of experience. She was somewhere between 12, <coughs> 12 and 14 years old. 12 and 14, imagine that. People were betrothed in that day, girls typically, but 12, 12 and a half years old. So Mary was somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. Mary wasn't chosen because she was highly educated. She was probably really illiterate. She wasn't chosen because she was a powerful woman. She was a peasant. She wasn't chosen because she lived in this high-rise penthouse apartment, you know, when everybody else lived down. She lived in Nazareth. And here's what we know about Nazareth. Nazareth was a very poor farming village. She didn't live in a penthouse apartment. She probably lived in a one-room shack that she shared with her family and their farm animals. Uh, she didn't live in the big city, uh, you know, uh, in the high society of the big city. She was from a hick backwoods town. It was so hick that, uh, you know, I, I come from a small town in Tennessee. I was born and raised in a town that was small, so small we had one red light. It was pretty easy. That was the waypoint, right? You, how do you get anywhere? You go to the red light, and then you turn right, left, or go straight, right? I mean, that, that's the town I grew up in, a one red light town. Nazareth was a one well town. <laughs> I mean, in that day, it had one well. It was a one well town. It was so backwoods, <clears throat> that it's not even mentioned in the Old Testament because no one of any importance at all hailed from Nazareth. Nathaniel, when he found out Jesus was from Nazareth, he said, are you kidding me? Uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? I mean, listen, that is, it, it, it is absolutely uh, this podunk, hick, backwoods town. Uh, my, my point is Mary was not chosen. We need to know the real Mary. And Mary was not chosen because she was highly educated, because she was highly skilled. She wasn't chosen because she had this great ability, because she was perfect. Uh, I believe that Mary was a girl who sought the Lord. I believe Mary was a girl who was dedicated to the Lord, but she was not perfect. She wasn't highly skilled. She was poor. She was in, in a backwoods town. She didn't win the essay contest, you know, if you're a, a, a high school junior or senior and how you, you fill out the essays and write essays to try to get into to college uh, and, and to try to get scholarships. She didn't fill an essay, write an essay about how to be a good mom, and God said, you won the essay contest. Congratulations. She did nothing. She did nothing. It was all grace, being full of grace. Here's what, the, here's what the angel said. Mary, you are highly favored because you've received grace. You have received the grace of God, not because of who you are. In spite of who you are, God has chosen you. Folks, that's the greatest news that you could ever hear because you see, the world is full and I hear people all the time that speak and they think that God could not love me, God could not use me, God could not choose me. I, I, God must be angry with me. People are full of guilt, people are full of shame and, and, and when we look at ourselves and our efforts, when we look at what we try to do over and over and we, 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 we look at last year and we think, man, I'm no better this year and we get guilt-ridden and shameful and, and of shame and here's what we need to know from the Christmas story. Jesus is the real king and he is a gracious king. It's all grace. It's not your effort. You can't do anything to make God love you more. You can't do anything to make God love you less. It is all grace, folks. That's what the Christmas story screams. You see, the angel told G Mary, you will name him Jesus. Well, in Matthew, Matthew, in the gospel of Matthew, he's telling it, he's talking about Matthew. And he's telling from Matthew's perspective because he's writing to Jews and, and, and he's going back from the line from Matthew. 
And he's writing from Matthew's perspective, and he says, you'll name him Jesus. And then he defines the name. He says, because he will save his people from their sin. He will save his people from their sin. Not that they will save themselves and he will put his stamp on it. Not that he will make it possible for them to be saved. He will save his people from their sins. Folks, it's all grace. He is a gracious king. He is the real king and he's a gracious king. He's not a hard king. He's not a vindictive king. He is a loving king. He is a gracious king. And today, if you don't know him, you can stop trying to please him with your actions. And what he wants is your heart. And he is awaiting to bestow grace upon you. He is the real king. That's what it says at Christmas. And he is the gracious king. And then secondly, we can infer from this that he is the perfect king. He's the perfect king. And where do we see that he's the perfect king in here? Well, let, let's think about the situation. And let's think about the, the story and what's going on. Mary and Joseph were betrothed. Now, that's a word that we don't use today. You didn't get betrothed to your, to your husband or to your wife. or you're not, you're not going to get betrothed, probably. You're going to get engaged. If you are single, one day you hope to get engaged. You hope, if you're a, a single young lady, you hope someone that some, someday, some man, you know, the love of your life puts a, puts a ring on your finger. <coughs> and uh, uh, you, you hope to be engaged. Well, uh, and betrothal and engagement was, uh, uh, our engagement is sort of like a betrothal, but it's also totally unlike a betrothal. A uh, betrothal, you were promised to each other. Just like we are today, you know, when, you're in, you're, when you start dating and, and you're not yet exclusive and then you move to the next step, which is exclusive, we're, we're not dating anyone else, we're only dating each other. And, and as we're dating each other, we're, we're just exclusive and then somewhere in that time, hopefully at, at one of those times, he, he puts a ring on it and then it's like, okay, we're promised to each other. It, it's, it's much more than an, an engagement. I mean, it's, I'm sorry, it's much more than dating, but you know what? At many times, and many of you have been in that in time of engagement when, when all of a sudden you said, man, this is, this, we, we don't need to do this. You just take the ring back, you give the ring back, call it off, it's over. That's not a betrothal. You see, a betrothal was like that, you were promised, but it was unlike it in that the only way you could get out of a betrothal was a divorce. That's the only way you could get out is if you were divorced. It was, it was that binding. Mary and Joseph are 12 to 14-year-old kids in our world today. And as a matter of fact, they're not kids. Uh, we would call them, uh, you know, adolescents, and that's the term we came up with. We don't see that in a biblical culture, you know, this time where we give kids basically a free pass to say you can be stupid and dumb and all that kind of stuff and do, what, do crazy stuff. We don't see that in the Bible. They grow up and they get married and they become men and women who love the Lord and walk with the Lord, and, and that's what we need to be calling our kids up to. And Mary and Joseph were these two 12- and 14-year-old uh, folks, and they were betrothed, and this was the most exciting time in Mary's life. You, you, if, you're, if you're married, then you know ladies, especially ladies, guys are just sort of deer in headlights during this time. But, but you ladies, you, you know exactly how exciting that is. You're picking out your, your, your dress. You're picking out your venue. You know, you're, you're, you're picking out your music. I mean, man, you're making all the plans and you're checking everything. And it is the most exciting time of your life. And in the midst of that exciting time, because this betrothal typically lasted about a year. And what happened was the couples during their betrothal, they didn't live together. 
She still lived at home with her mom and their animals in their one-room shack. He still lived at home with his mom and his animals in his one-room shack, probably building his, their own one-room shack for them to share with each other. Or he was, she was going to move in with his, however they would do that. And, 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 and that was the stage that they were in. And about a year, this betrothal lasted, and then he would go to her house. He would take her. They would have a big ceremony, a big celebration. The, the community would join in, and then he would take her home and consummate the marriage. Until that point, the marriage, the wedding, the union, the relationship was not consummated the way it should be, ladies and gentlemen. And, and so, so, so he would take her home, and during this betrothal period, she's waiting for that time they set for him to take her home, and this angel pops in and says, oh, yeah, greetings, highly favored one. You know that, that, that prophecy about the virgin who's going to have a child? Well, that's you. <laughs> you know. Now, And Mary's like, what? I mean, she asks a question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She was a smart girl, right? I mean, listen, this absolutely is the proper question. When God leads you to do something, it's not wrong to ask questions. I've heard that, that, that questions is faith seeking answers. It's not wrong to, to seek answers. That's what Mary did. Mary didn't say she didn't believe. She said, how will this happen since I am a virgin? It wasn't you know, typical, right? I mean, it's a one, it's, actually, it's, it's only happened once. It, this wasn't normally how things happen, and so that's how God does things sometimes. And so, how does this happen? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. <clears throat> Mary said, Gabriel, <clears throat> I mean, I know I don't have a lot of experience here, but I know babies don't come from storks. I mean, <clears throat> I've never been in the game. I know I've not scored a touchdown. I mean, what's going on? How can this be? And the angel said, Mary, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The, the Holy Spirit will conceive in your womb a son, and he will be the son of God. He'll be the son of God. Now, here, here, here's, here's what we need to know. He didn't say he's going to be the son of Joseph because he wasn't Joseph's son. He said he's going to be the son of God because he's God's son. Now, what does it mean for Jesus to be God's son? Because we, we talk about Jesus being God's son, and indeed he is. So what does that mean? Because, you see, in our minds, the only, the only context that we can think is, okay, I've got three sons, two daughters, three sons, uh, I, two bio boys, I've adopted a son. Is, is that what it means that Jesus is God's son? Did God father Jesus? No, he didn't father Jesus. Did he just adopt? No, he, he, he didn't just adopt Jesus. That, that's, that's not what it means when it, when it talks about Jesus being the son of God. It doesn't mean that he is junior, God junior. You know, like some of you have a son, you named him after you and his name's junior. That's not what it means. What it means is that Jesus is in the, he is in essence God himself. That's what it means. It's what that writer of Hebrews says when he says he is the radiance of the glory of God. He's the, it means he is the exact imprint of God's nature. He is God. That's what that phrase means. Just, just so you know, it doesn't mean that, well, I mean, God and then, uh, you know, God the Father and then God had a son. And <clears throat> it, it's not what it is at all. It means that he's God. Matter of fact, this is what got Jesus killed. Jesus said, I'm, I'm, I'm the son of God. I'm God. That's what got him killed. That's what got him nailed to a cross because he claimed to be God. The religious leaders said it was blasphemy. Okay, and so, so, so here's my point. <clears throat> Jesus was born of a virgin, and he was a gracious king because it was grace that God chose Mary. It wasn't because of anything Mary did, and he was a perfect king because he wasn't just a human being. He was because he had an earthly mother, but he wasn't just a human being. 
He was fully divine, fully human, but fully divine, fully God. And that's the importance of this virgin birth because this virgin birth, this miracle, it made possible the full uniting of humanity and deity in one person. You see, listen, it wasn't Jesus's birth that's the miracle here. We celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas. We really don't celebrate his conception. Obviously, it's a part of the story, right? But his birth, the fact that God came to us, Emmanuel, God with us. He came and he was born and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We don't know when it was. Probably wasn't December the 25th. But we celebrate the fact that he came to us. But it's not his birth that's the miracle here, right? I mean, Jesus was born like Thousands of, every baby born since or before Jesus and every baby born after, he was born just like you. I mean, his mother was pregnant, his mother was pregnant and she was uh, pregnant for probably roughly nine months, right? That's the gestation period. My mom got pregnant with me roughly nine months, right? You, you might've been a preemie. You, if you were pregnant uh, as a mama, you might've had preemies, uh, but it was probably roughly nine months Right, and at nine months, guess what my mom's water did? My mom's water broke, right? Now, some of you might've had a C-section scheduled before that, all that kind of thing, I understand that, but just I'm talking about the typical way this happens is the mom conceives, she's pregnant for nine months, her water breaks, and then man, I mean, uh, Jesus, just like you, he pushed through that birth canal, and I mean, man, aren't you glad you don't remember that? I mean, I am literally claustrophobic, that would kill me right there. Thank the Lord, have no memory of that. Right, I mean, whoo. Then you come out and man, you look like a prune. That's what Jesus, he came out, he looked like a prune probably, because you did. I mean, you know, when I came out back in my day, you know, you came out and man, the doctor smacked you because you were so ugly. I mean, to get you to breathe. And, and, and you know, now they don't smack you, they'd offend you, right? And so they'd offend your mom or something, so they just suck some water out or something. And, and, and so, so uh, you, know, you know, that's exactly how Jesus was born. He was born just like you were born. His birth wasn't miraculous. It was his conception that was miraculous. Now, I'm not going to go into how Jesus was conceived, okay? No, I did. It's okay to go into how Jesus was conceived. I'm not going to go into how you were conceived, okay? I'm not going to go into how you were conceived. We can do that. That's, you know, listen, uh, I know right now at home, some of you are sitting there and your kids are watching. Mom, what's conceived mean? Merry Christmas. Have a good time with that, Okay. (laughs) It needs to come from mom and dad anyway. I just teed it up for you. Wrapped it in a bow. Go talk about conception at Christmas with, 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 with the kids, mom, all right, and dad. <laughs> Obviously, you know how you were conceived. If not, I, pro- I will, if you do not, I will tell you after, <laughs> after the service in the hallway because you need to know this, okay? It's really good stuff. You need to know. But the Bible, <laughs> the Bible, get back on track. The Bible Tells us how Jesus was conceived. And it wasn't like I'm conceived, was conceived or you're conceived or my kids were conceived. It was by the Holy Spirit. It was by the Holy Spirit. He had an earthly mama just like you, but he didn't have an earthly daddy just like you. Earthly father. It was the Holy Spirit, which made possible full God, full human, one person. Amazing, isn't it? It's ingenious. Because you see, it took a perfect person. And here's what that did. That, 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 that miraculous conception, it prevented the transmission of the sin gene. I was born, you know, I know that you think I'm so adorable. I was born an evil person. Did you know that? I was. I mean, I was born, we call it depraved. We were born with this legal guilt, this moral corruption from Daddy Adam. 
He sinned and passed it along to everybody and, and I got it and you got it. And you know, I hope you don't get COVID, but you got sin, okay? I, I, I mean, you, you, you are, and guess what? It's going to kill you, okay? It's going to kill you physically. That's why you're going to die. That's why everybody said, we were born with that deadly disease called sin. Everybody except Jesus. See, he didn't have a daddy to transmit it from, and the Holy Spirit miraculously prevented the, 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 the passing along from his mother Mary. So here's what you had, this ingenious way. Think about God. God is God. He could do anything he wants, right? You say, well, God, I don't think you can do that. And God would say, just sit back and watch me, big boy. I didn't ask you, right? I mean, he could do anything. He could have made Jesus be born with a, a, a mom and a dad just like, just like you and I, and then all of a sudden, bam, he's God. If he'd done that, we would always say, is he fully God? He, he, could have, he could have just descended, you know, like when the shepherds were out rather than the angels appearing to the shepherds saying, Jesus is born. It could have been Jesus himself coming down from heaven out of the clouds, you know, uh, and, and coming. He could have done that because he's God. We would have said, is he fully human? And you see, Jesus had to be fully God because he had to be perfect, no sin transmission, fully God and fully human to stand in the place of a human. It's ingenious. It is amazing. And he's perfect. There was no sin whatsoever in Jesus. He committed no sin, the Bible says. There was no deceit found within him. He's perfect king. And why, why is that important? Because let me tell you something. It does not matter, folks. It does not matter who's in the White House, who's in the Oval Office. And I know our world and our country right now is divided like crazy. And I, I know that. And folks, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you should look at the world completely differently. You should look at, at, at everything that's going on completely differently. And you should know if you are a, a believer in Jesus Christ, you should have hope in all this because it doesn't matter whether there's blue or red in the, in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter whether there's a, a donkey or an elephant or a Republican or a Democrat. It doesn't matter because the, all of them are fallen human beings and they're all gonna mislead and they're all gonna make mistakes, but Jesus will never make a mistake and he will always lead you perfect and right because he is the perfect king. That ought to change everything about how you're viewing the world right now if you're a believer. You see, we, in our world today, we think democracy is so advanced and being the king and ha having a king, oh, in, in our country, that, that's, that's archaic, but democracy is so advanced. You know why we think that? Because of sin. Think about if you had a king who had no sin. If you had a king who knew everything, if you had a king who was perfect, if you had a king who always had your best interest, if you had a king who loved you, wow, there's nothing like that. That's what we have as believers in Jesus Christ. We have a gracious king and we have a perfect king that will never let us down, ever. And then finally, and I wanna close with, we have a sovereign king. We have a sovereign, omnipotent, powerful king, a sovereign king. Did you notice what Gabriel said to Mary? Mary's questioning, how will this be? I'm a virgin. I've never been with a man. I can't have a baby, for goodness sake. And what did Gabriel do? He, he, he told her, well, the Holy Spirit's gonna conceive and all that, but she's still in her mind going, uh, you know, because sometimes we just have to have something to hold on to, to grasp it. And he says, oh, Mary, let me help you. You know your, your relative Elizabeth? You know, she's 70-some-year-old. Man, she's been barren all this time. and I, She's pregnant, by the way. She's gonna have a son. His name's John the Baptist. His name's gonna be John the Baptist. She's gonna have a son. And she is in her six months of pregnancy at 70-some years old. And he says, Mary, 
in that context, he said, Mary, but with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible. All things, why? Because he's sovereign. Because God's got the power to make whatever he wants happen, happen. Because you see, God created the world out of nothing. I mean, you know, I, 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 a couple of years ago, I said, I'm gonna build me a little barn outside a yard. But I went and got all the tools. I got my wood. I got my fasteners. And man, I, I built me a barn. I, I love it. Well, you know what? When God said, I'm gonna build the world, you know what he did? He didn't go to Lowe's. God said, it was called ex nihilo, which means there was nothing there. There was no material. God said, bam, it's all there. He created everything out of nothing. God can make lame men walk and blind men see, and he can give dead men life. Putting a baby in a virgin's belly is absolutely JV for God, folks. It's crazy to even think, how could God do that? He can do whatever. He created everything from nothing. He can put a baby in the womb of a virgin, and that's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he did. And listen, here's the great thing is the birth of Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't this this, this reaction of God to the sin in the world, it wasn't plan B. It wasn't God, okay, what am I gonna do now? I've gotta come up with a plan. We see that from the beginning. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve bit the fruit and it was still crunching, was this, the sound of the crunch of the fruit was still being ringing through the garden, God let us know the plan. Genesis 3.15, it's called the Proto-Evangelium. It's the, the first gospel. And God said, I'm gonna put enmity between you and the seed of the woman between Satan and Jesus, you're going to to bruise his heel. He's going to crush your head. And what he's saying is, you're going to wound him, but he's going to destroy you. And he's he's preaching the first gospel, and he's saying, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be born for the seed of the woman. He's talking about, basically, here's what he's saying. I'm coming to the world through Mary, through a woman named Mary. I'm coming to the world through a virgin. And and, and, And here's what we see. Every moment. God has been directing every event of history to one thing, to the white-hot worship of the glory of God in heaven around his throne on that one day. Everything in history is about that one moment. Everything's leading up to that. God's directing every moment in history. Everything that happens, God's in control of. God's not reacting. God is not planning. God's not trying to figure it out. Every event, when Jesus Christ was born and all the babies in Bethlehem were murdered because Herod didn't want to give up his throne and he was threatened and he murdered all those babies in, in, in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that they would be weeping. And, and when that happened, you know what? Guess what? It wasn't God going, oh, no, I didn't plan on that. I, I, well, well, oh, that was a consequence I really didn't think. No, no, no. We can look at it and go, what, what's going on? I don't know, but God was in control of it. When Jesus had to move to Egypt, God was in control of that. When, when, when God brought him back from Egypt, God was in control. When Jesus was being lied about, tortured, when he was being mercilessly beaten, God was in control of that. Every moment when he was nailed to a cross, that moment was under the control, the sovereign leadership of God. Here's what we know, folks. We've got a king, and we don't have to trust someone in the White House 
right? No matter if it's Republican or Democrat, that's what I said. We don't trust people in the White House because they're broken human beings, but we've got a king who is absolutely perfect, who is absolutely gracious, who is absolutely sovereign and omnipotent, and he's in control of every moment in history. And here's what that means. He was in control of the moment that COVID came to our world, and he's in control of the moment that it leaves, and it will not be here one moment after, and it will not leave one moment before. He's in control of it. And as a believer, we can look and we can say, man, the, the, the country's gone crazy because of political junk. The, 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 the COVID has got our world shut down. And we as believers can look at it and say, yeah, it is a mess right now. But we believe in the God who has it all in his hands. And we don't know why. We don't know what's going on, but because he's my daddy and he's a perfect king and he's a gracious king and he's an omnipotent king, I trust him. And folks, we as Christians can relax a little bit, okay? That's what Christmas is all about. We can relax. We don't have to be torn up and fighting with somebody because they didn't vote for who I voted for. And we don't have to be tore up and wondering if COVID's real or not real. It's real, believe me. <laughs> Okay, it's real. I'm flat on my back for two weeks. It's real. Listen, we don't have to wonder if it's real and if it's this. and uh, uh, Is it politicized? Guess what? Everything's politicized, okay? There's nothing in this world that's not politicized. It's all hijacked, right? It's all hijacked and politicized. And that's that, what we don't have to do is be tore up because God is in control. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is gracious. God is perfect. He is my king, and he is on his throne, and he will reign forever, and I can trust him. It ain't going to turn out like I want it to all the time. <laughs> it's not going to turn out like I want it to all the time. doesn't mean I'm not going to get COVID. It doesn't mean I'm not going to suffer. It doesn't mean I'm not going to uh, have. Listen, folks, here's what I know. In the last month, my dad's died. I struggle. I have to navigate. We're trying to help, try figure out how to help with my mom. I, I got COVID. My wife's got COVID. My son's got COVID. I, guess what? It doesn't mean I'm not going to go through stuff, but here's what I know. God's in control of every one of those moments. And I trust him. And I trust him. And I can relax. I don't have to try to go out and kill people, and I don't have to try to go out and be all jacked up and in people's face all the time and upset about this person and that person. I don't have to do that. Trust the Lord. Christians ought to be living in a way different place today, folks. We ought to be in a way different place today, way different place. And here's what I would tell you. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, he makes all the difference in the world, and you can do nothing to make him love you more and you've not done anything to make him love you less. You've not done anything that makes you not worthy of his love or his grace. His grace is free to those who surrender to him. And I would say today, will you receive the grace of the king who reigns forever? Will you receive that grace? I don't know about you, but I'm a believer and I need a little grace right now. See, I'm a grace addict. That's what I am. I'm a grace addict. And, 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 and here's the thing. I, I in this time with everything being jacked up and political and, and the political stuff and the COVID stuff and everything being jacked up, man, it's, it's really easy for people to be angry and scream a little bit, yell at their wife or yell at their kids or yell at their dog or yell at themselves. And I bet all of us right now is going, man, I need a little grace. I want a little grace. And I hope today you receive the grace from God and then you begin to extend the grace to other people. And today I know that, 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 that we look and we say, man, everybody lets me down. Everybody's letting me down. I can't trust anyone. Well, you can trust the one who's perfect, 
And I know right now you're worried and concerned and going, man, the world's out of control. It's not out of his control. It's exactly where he wants it to be for his glory. And so we can relax. If you don't know him today, would you surrender your heart and receive the grace that will change us everything? And if you do know him, you can relax. You can relax. And you know what, man? I, I hate COVID as much as you do, and I hate what it's done to our world. And Man, your Thanksgiving's messed up a little bit, your Christmas, but here's what I want you to do. Right now, begin to shift your mind. And right now, some of you are thinking, man, I know Christmas parties have been canceled. I don't know what I'm gonna do with my family. Here's what I hope. Shopping's changed. Here's what I hope. You know, when Mary and Joseph strolled into Bethlehem on that very first Christmas, uh, that, that night that Jesus was born, they strolled into Bethlehem, the whole city was hustling. It was buzzing. It was hu- there were people all over, and they, could, they, they didn't even have a clue that God himself was coming into our world right down the street because they were so busy with doing business all the businesses in town, man, they were packed. They were business because, see, everybody had to come into town because of the, of the census, and everybody had to come into town for, because of taxes, and, 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 and businesses were making money, and people were upset with one another, and people were upset with the crowds, and, 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 and it's just like a typical Christmas. When people are getting over by himself in a cave somewhere, and we're not even paying attention. But you know what? Here's a silver lining this Christmas. Silver lining this Christmas could be is, man, I, I don't have to run around to all the stores as much and all the, lots of the parties have been canceled. I don't, let me relax and breathe and focus, take Jesus out of the cave down the road and put him in the center. Say, man, this is about Jesus. That's the silver lining right there. So today, believer, if you don't believe, I, I hope today that the Holy Spirit opens your heart, and opens your eyes, and that you see that he is the real king, and that you receive his grace. If you are a believer, I hope that you can just relax. You can relax and go, he's in charge. He's sovereign. He's perfect. I can trust him. He's gracious. He's my king. Worship Jesus. Let's pray together, would can we? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this day that we're able to gather and worship the real king. And God, I pray God, I pray that today in this room that someone would be saved, that someone would understand who you are. And I know that my words won't do that, but I know, Holy Spirit, that you're, 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 you're Holy, the Holy Spirit can convict and can open people's eyes. And I pray that you would do that right now and save somebody in this room. I pray that you would save someone watching on TV right, or watching on their computer, on their TV right now through YouTube, watching wherever they're watching. I pray that, God, Holy Spirit, you would convict. Help them to text. Help them to call. Help them to fill out a card. Help them to let us know so that we can walk them through. God, I pray that you would save people this Christmas. Help us to relax and enjoy you. God, help us to not see all the losing some of the hustle and fight and crowds and negative, but to take advantage of it. God, we love you. And God, we just thank you for being the real king who will reign forever. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.